I'm here with Andrew Burns of Andrew Burns Architects. How are you going, Andrew? Pretty good, Dave. How are you? <laughs> good, mate. You're just telling me that over the coming weeks or months, you're looking to do a bit of a rebrand. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I guess we're um, coming up to 10 years in practice in November. Um, and I thought it was about time to, to get more of a um, professional identity happening um, rather than our kind of um, pieced together um, identity that we have on the website at the moment. So we're working with a guy from Melbourne, um, Surya. Um, he has a, a design studio called SPGD um, and he's putting it together for us. So full identity. Um, I know, Dave, that you have mentioned, I've seen in things that you've written multiple times that the sort of website refreshes aren't where it's at. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're not where it's at. What are you doing? You're wasting all your money. Uh, I think I think there's a, to me, there's a, there's a kind of a thing where um, the identity is about trying yeah. to just talk to a kind of cultural audience because um, mm. that's the thing that I'm really interested in. And I think there's a kind of particular um, language that speaks to a knowing, a knowing cultural audience, kind of tells them, mm. yeah, this practice kind of understands us. You know, it might have a kind of aesthetic yeah. like an art book. Um, yeah, it, and also at the same time to not be, um, you know, daunting or off-putting to a, you know, social housing provider or, a, you know, yeah. some other kind of organization. So, yeah. Are you kind of gonna? Are you? I mean, you you were sort of talking to me about how your work's kind of flipped around and gone ninety percent sort of really big public social involved collaborative things and only sort of ten percent single family dwellings. Yeah. Um, are you going to maintain a kind of? There's two sections of our website or two sections of our brand. One is still kind of private residential, and the other one is large public. Or are you just going fully into that into the latter? Um, actually. Um I mean, I, I like designing houses. Um, yeah. And it's more, it's, there is going to be a split on the website, but it's um, actually projects and research. So um, we've got a sort of a, a, a bit of a, um, mm. I guess, emerging kind of research aspect to my practice, um, both sort of from an R&D kind of tax perspective um, for clients. Um, <laughs> But also, yeah. but also Go for that government R and D grant. Well, I think it's a it's one of those things. If you, if you understand how that works, and it's yeah. it's, a, it's a thing you can offer to a client. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's part of a sound sort of strategy. So that's something we're um, so, learning so, and gaining familiarity with, and yeah. While still sort of, we'll, we'll come back to the website in a, in a sec. But I'm really interested in that idea that you know use that tax R&D thing so you're actually using that for your clients that's not just a kind of we're developing research kind of AMO sort of put a book together thing it's actually you're able to apply that to your project work how does that how does that work well so there's a so there is the government um, incentive program which provides um, tax credits to businesses uh, for the purpose of genuine R&D, you know, where it's been through mm. a, a genuine iterative process, there's been, there's been testing to failure, um, there's something substantial that's offered. Um, and that's something that, that, I mean, architecture has so much problem solving, we work quite closely to that, um, you know, all the time, that mm. I think um, it's a very valid form of um, architectural work. And yeah, it's just, it's just like a little bit of an overlay on, on what we do that can... Yeah bring commercial benefit to people and, and also also I think clarify um, certain design exercises in projects. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting aspect. 
I'm kind of inter- I'm, I'm sort of interested in, in those things as well as um, I guess pure design, yeah. and and then and then how they how the two things sit together I think is is cool. So so if I if I kind of came to you and said you know I'm I'm a city council and we're doing a new library or something we we love you guys we love that new cultural website <laughs> we feel like you're one of us <laughs> um, but where what do and we've heard you talk about this the the way that you apply those uh, R and D um, sort of tax benefits is that something that I know about as a client and then I'm, I'm engaged in that process and there's going to be parts of the design process or deliverables that fit into that and that helps me as well or is that something just kind of internal and, and you guys um, uh, explore that through your own practice and the business of your practice? I think it's, um, I think certain clients will be familiar with it internally, mm. Um, mm-hmm. particularly clients where there's a, a kind of any ongoing uh, repetitive um, sort of product, be that a building or an element, um, mm-hmm. or, or, or some sort of very bespoke problem solving that's involved in the project. So, um, or or it can be something that we can you know can talk about at a at a at a at an interview stage, mm-hmm. um, and just bring that into the mix. You know, there's accountants who specialize in it. Um, yeah, and we can we can kind of do our part and package the, um, I guess the, the the really the the paper trail and the consolidated sequence of documentation. Um, required to to support clients to get those those kind of benefits. Wow, that's pretty cool. But okay, so going so going back to your website, you're going to break it kind of. Hard. Is it going to be sort of fifty fifty research projects? Is that going to be something that you come to the website and it's sort of straight away? What do you want to look at, or is it like on a project to project basis? Trying you're to kind do, of taking it from two angles. We're trying. It, it is kind of two sets of projects, but they they. Um, they, you know, they, they, they hopefully intersect a little bit. Um, yeah. With, just with the, the nature of our work, the, the bulk of the... So there will be a kind of split down the center of the page um, so the kind of two things can coexist at times mm. and you can kind of click together. And uh, I, hope it, I hope it's not too tricky. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's trying to be kind of faithful to our identity. Um, yeah. You know, we do, we do think... Um, so we try to be very thorough. We try to look at things from all the different angles, and um, we see that, or I see that, as a, a significant thing in terms of advising a client. Um, mm. I'm I'm very kind of interested in this idea of architecture um, in a, in a kind of service model. Um, it's kind of in design circles. I think it's viewed a little bit negatively, but I think architecture as service to a client or you know a community or whatever it might be. I, I mean, surely that's the highest goal. Um, yeah. Design is a means to that, um, without wanting to sound sort of excessively worthy. <laughs> so, so, so there's a thing there, isn't there? There's a- no. What's the kind of what's the alternative? I, I know you're saying it's sort of like um, not not popular. It's a bit on the nose or whatever. That idea that we are in service. But what does the alternative look like? What's the more popular version? I think okay. I think I think there's one version where where the architecture is primarily about the architect. Yeah. And, and that can make beautiful work that, that, that goes on to serve, like to, to, to contribute to culture and to, um, you know, becomes something special, leads to other things. Um, mm-hmm. So not to kind of, not, not to kind of put that um, aside, but mm-hmm. I think if it's ultimately not really about the architect, about, you know, about you um, mm-hmm. and kind of what you want to do, 
in the end, all these things will always be a kind of confluence of those things. You know, the, the, the people, probably the people you're talking to are reasonably motivated people who kind of want to do stuff um, and, you know, have sort of dreams and aspirations, um, which I do. And, mm-hmm. but I, I guess what I've found in doing, um, starting to do some sort of larger projects with different sort of organizations is this idea of a, of a, of a kind of organization's mission or vision or, you know, those kind of documents and things that they put together uh, over time, over a long time sometimes, mm-hmm. that, that can be the sort of DNA of a project and a really interesting ground to think about and to try to then give architectural form to. Um, mm-hmm. That to me is interesting content. You know, there's, there's, there's stuff there that's worth um, understanding and trying to then be um, an architect who can extend that vision with built form. So we kind of feel we're doing that in some of our projects, hopefully, um, at the moment. And yeah, I, I find that that kind of thing really satisfying. Yeah, it also sounds like a good way to actually get those clients in the first place. <laughs> if that's your, you know, if that's if that's what you're communicating to them, that um, those things that you take seriously internally that you've been working on for all these years, um, we're going to take that seriously as well. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a no brainer, right? Like we listen to what our clients are trying to achieve, um, whether they're kind of organizations or, or community groups or, or whatever those might be. Yeah, I, I, I think so. And I think um, part of our education is, is um, listening. You know, it is being able to listen mm. and interpret and, um, yeah, I guess to sort of have a heart for the other person and, and what they're looking to do. Um, yeah, and, th- and then trying to use our maybe more conventional skill set of, form and materiality, um, response to site, etc., to, to, to make something. Um, I, probably, I probably also have come to see, um, this is me just getting like super conservative, but have come mm-hmm. to see architectural design as, as a process of um, sort of thoughtful risk management. Uh, I know that's incredibly, incredibly boring thing to say, um, but I, I do think there, I mean, projects are, are kind of built upon... Um, well, strong design decision making mitigates risk. Um, mm. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sort of boring myself right now. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There is a when you're talking about mitigating risk, it could either go into two kind of camps, which would be some sort of um, market based capitalism or some kind of um, managerialism. And mm. is it risk is such an important topic? And I always find it really, really interesting. So I, I think f- just for the sake of the listener, we probably both don't want to just keep talking about risk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, but no, go like go into that a little bit more and, and tell me what you mean by that. I think I mean I think there are um, risks associated with um, approvals. That's a that's a, a huge one because so much is tied up to getting an approval from the mm. the authority. Um, that can have um, in some of the things that we've done. That's had you know the state heritage boards that's had um you know things that have to be signed off by the the minister um you know all sorts of stuff that um i guess uh, i think people will respond to something that's um sort of optimistic but they'll also respond to something that's very reasonable and um it's the kind of the balance of, of those two things i guess trying to have a sort of ambition and um a- ambition and edge but at the same time a kind of low-key reasonableness I mean, it's, mm. it's, 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 kind of, it's kind of super dull, but I found it do, works. When, when you're kind of coming up with a proposal for a project, do you, 
even at an early stage, you ever look at it and go, this might be pushing a little bit too far when it comes to some of this high stakes, larger public stuff. Like you, you, you have a bit of an instinct where you go, this might be a real fight to make something like this happen. Like when does that thought start to creep in or does it ever really enter into it? I probably don't don't find I'm, I'm um, if I feel I need to push like there's, there's going to be a fight just to try to get something um, that I'm interested in done. It's kind of not the right project, so I, yeah. I I I do just sort of avoid try to avoid some of those ones. Um, um, but yeah, I, I I guess we try to understand the issues with the project early on and. Um, I'm probably sort of hypersensitive, sometimes maybe overly sensitive to certain things, but I do I do really try to think them through. Whether it's um, you know the, the reality of a we've done some stuff on remote sites, so there's the questions of the reality of how it will be built and and, and not being able to know that early on in the process, not being able to preempt um, you know various questions extended prefabrication. So therefore, trying to keep it fairly um, flexible that it can take on um, different directions. When a contract is involved, um, that would be that would be one example of a strategy. So a kind of a kind of simple, very fairly simple form that can be built in multiple ways that doesn't get really value managed too much, can't be value managed. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I think probably that there is a thing. Maybe maybe I'm I'm conscious when the the, the appetite for something um, sort of exuberant amongst the client is there. Or whether the appetite is there for something that's just sort of thoughtful and well resolved, I'm sort of sensitive to that stuff. Mm. Um, and you know, I think maybe big cultural buildings, it's um, there. Th- there is a kind of a, a desire for the sort of exuberant. That's a that's a moment where a society, um, you know, supported by government decision making, decides that um, this is time to make something amazing. That's you know really going to celebrate some aspect. And um, that's the time to have a crack, I reckon. And that's the time where if it doesn't have exuberance, it's kind of, it's kind of unreasonable, actually. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, that's, we think about that, that stuff. Maybe, maybe a little too much, obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it is interesting. But I think it, it's kind of um, it gets funny when it gets to the point where you try to boil it all down to a website. <laughs> to kind of like bring it back to that, I imagine that's been a really, a really um, deep thinking process. <laughs> trying to try to work out how we go from being the kind of portfolio with a bit of description to actually trying to communicate what we're about. I guess you can't, can you? You know, yeah. um, but you can maybe get um, someone interested that mm. that you might get the phone call um, and then just be able to talk through some of those things. Um, mm. so yeah, the website, the website's been a pretty interesting process. I'm really stoked by, um, what these guys can, can do and what they've been showing us so far. So, um, yeah, interested to see what, see, see what happens and how it's, how it's received, I guess. My, um, my favorite part of your existing website is this one little detail down the bottom where it says 195,000 views. I'll tell you what, I, I didn't put that on. I don't know how. I, I tried to get rid of that thing. <laughs> That's my favorite part of the whole website because it's the sort of, 
it's the understated quality. It's like, uh, I mean, you were in Japan, you would have seen kind of Japanese websites where they're just basically so like funny. text files. Yeah. So like so funny, so yeah. so not graphical whatsoever. Mm. But then I, I like that you've got that really simple cargo collective kind of thing. But then all of a sudden this really big number down the bottom. I didn't, I didn't, I, honestly, I didn't do that though. I tried to, I've tried to get rid of that function. Um, uh, such a shame. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's, I mean, that, that website probably served us okay. Um, yeah. It's just, it's just a very straightforward thing. Um, hopefully what we're, what we're putting up in a, in a month or two won't, won't isolate anyone. Um, mm. But like I say, hope, hopefully it will, will speak to a, a kind of knowing cultural audience, you know, who, like I say, who might be familiar with, a, with an art book. Um, mm. And yeah, but, but without isolating other um, client groups, I guess. Yeah. Mm. It's kind of like that that old school thing that you put together. You put together a really nice monograph so that it ends up on a coffee table in an art gallery in Prague, and some multimillionaire picks it up, and all of a sudden they know you exist. It's like you have to um, kind of uh, contextually be in that place to to let those opportunities happen. Um, you have to look the part, <laughs> and and the same goes for the same goes for websites and a whole bunch of other things as well. Mm. Um, and I, I kind of, I wonder where the, the sort of the depth is going to come from, because I think that is the challenge. Are, are you guys thinking about producing, um, producing longer form stuff as part of this research, maybe more writing and, and those kinds of things? Or where are you going to go with that, yeah, with think, that sort of content? I think, the, um, I think the, the research side will be more um, based on diagrams and text. Um, mm just graphically um i'm doing this design phd thing at the moment too so that's kind of going to be a part of it um i had my probation session you know they have this thing called probation after what? one year i had it like two yeah, two weeks ago i got absolutely grilled but, um they let me keep going which was good wait a minute so what's a what's a phd probation where they go what you're you, you know you're in trouble what's or is it just no, it you, get to a, you get to a point it's like a it's like a milestone i guess you need to after one year, they um, a bunch of other academics who weren't the academic who um, you've been with. I'm working with a guy called Matthew Aitkinson. He's mm. um, really, really fantastic, um, super supportive um, person who's yeah really kind of encouraged me just to formulate my own um, methodology, I guess, which has been um, you know awesome, and I'm very grateful for it. Mm. Um, <laughs> then I had my probation with a, a couple of other academics from the university. This is Sydney, who I, who I you know, I also really respect, um, but they mm. like totally crunched me. And <laughs> yeah, anyway, had my head down for a couple of weeks, but I eventually got the bounce. So, so going back and doing a PhD, um, that's that's a bold move. <laughs> that's a really, really bold move. Mm. Um, w- what sort of motivated you to go back and, and go down that path? I tell you what, I, I wanted to systematize my um, understanding and I've kind of been aware, felt... I've had this kind of um, kind of cloud of um, ideas and thoughts, and you know, occasionally something you know reasonably good um, pops out of it. Um, but I wanted to sort of understand it in a more systematic way, so I could be <coughs> conscious of um, more kind of critically conscious of influences, more critically aware of the the sort of wide context of contemporary work, to then mm. identify gaps. Um, I have, a, I have a kind of theory. Um, I'm, I'm looking at the interface of architecture and landscape because um, mm. it's just something I'm, I'm kind of interested in. 
Um, mm. You know, that's a source of um, delight for me. It has been for a long time. And, um, but I kind of realized that my, my work has engaged with landscape in fairly conservative ways. You know, the device of framing mm. or um, the kind of object, the, the kind of discrete object within a landscape that affects its context by implication as opposed to sort of extension. Um, yeah. Or other kind of strategies, that, but they're fairly conservative strategies that might be just a kind of contemporary version of some strategy that's happened for um, 50 years, well, like, like 100 like years. 500 years. Um, yeah, yeah. Whereas there is this whole body of work internationally of contemporary kind of. Uh, uh, we talked about jargon before. I'm just going to go there for like one minute. Um, yeah, go there. It's all good. <laughs> you, can, you, can edit, you can edit this bit. Um, I'm not editing it. I'm not, I'm not touching nothing. <laughs> okay, so so, um, I have a I have a theory. It's a fairly obvious theory, but that major international design competitions are often won when there's genuine typological innovation, um, mm. and that can be a kind of hybridization. Interestingly, hybridization of typologies can generate quite strong concepts. Interestingly enough, it's a quite a strange thing that that, that happens. I think particular to architecture, maybe as opposed to other art forms. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to um, identify gaps in existing typologies um, or sort of new hybridization and things that we might then test with a few design competitions or other projects when we get the, the opportunity. So, yeah. so, so give me an example of maybe something you've already kind of come across. Have you, have you found any of these gaps? Just or, or how would, how would, um, and if that's the case, how would one of those apply to maybe a, a, a competition proposal or something like that? Has there been been any progress like that so far? Yeah, there, well, there has. I haven't applied one yet, but um, I'm going to have a crack soon. I'm just I've got, I've got this kind of <laughs> <laughs> I've got this drawing. I just got to. Bring it up. You can't. You're like I can't. I'm on probation. <laughs> in, yeah, exactly. In four months, you know. Um, yeah, but that, that that seems to make a a lot of sense. I think that's always. That's always an interesting challenge. I mean, I just did that recording with um, Johnny and Jennifer at Trius and they were talking about how important competitions have been for them, but more importantly, how important it's been to actually win them um, versus just kind of going in them to sort of stretch legs um, to actually go, uh, we actually have an innovation to make in this thing and we think we can win it based on this brief that we're looking at. Um, so it's it's interesting that you're looking at it coming sort of academically but also kind of competitively in a way it's for me it's probably um it's probably yeah it's probably more of a um uh, it's more that the desire to um be competitive in i mean it's still it's early it's early days you know it's really early days and um you know, if I'm fortunate enough to crack it for a couple of big international competitions in my career, I'll be, you know, I'll be pumped. Um, yeah. And there's still sort of plenty of time for that. But it's more, I felt that to really develop my approach to the point that it's um, strong enough um, and innovation is the wrong word, but, but, but that it is maybe generating work that's unique enough. I felt that I wanted mm. to go to the academic thing because of that reason. Um, mm. I mean, you've you've been overseas, um, like working, well, at least in Japan. But I know that there's been a few other projects as well. Mm. Um, is was that sort of uh, eye opening for you, seeing the way that people were thinking about architecture, even just contemporary um, 
architects were thinking about it in a kind of different way and that, uh, you know, maybe Australia... I mean, there is this kind of feeling of conservatism, um, a lot of architects saying and doing and thinking the same thing as each other. Mm. Um, do you feel that there's a, as you become more international, you're, you're trying to train yourself to maybe look at more opportunities outside of the context that you originally kind of come from? Or are you just looking international the whole time? Like it's, you're seeing architecture on a, on a kind of global scale to begin with no i think i think there is a um maybe a a, probably a place-based um approach which you know has enabled us to um work reasonably effectively in different locations in australia um Mm. we're doing a bunch of different things around australia at the moment um which is really fun Uh, Mm. i kind of like that whole that whole thing but um probably when we've done things overseas they've also been place-based and tried to understand the nature of their site as well um, mm. and then to um, yeah ex- extend from a again a, a fairly just trying to find the appropriate solution for um, yeah for, 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 for a project and a site um, yeah I think there I think there is a um, yeah I, I guess you know how many Australian practices do you think are um, playing at the level? Where they could, they can compete in a major international competition. Do you reckon there's like twenty? <laughs> feel like I'll get in trouble if I answer that. <laughs> I know, it's a super difficult question. There's, there's people doing amazing work. There really is, and I, and I kind of feel that there are some practices that you start are starting to do some stuff now that that could. Um, yeah. But I yeah I guess maybe that way of working um, isn't as developed here as as it is in as it is as a. A method of practice in other places you know um, yeah. there's a guy in our office um really fantastic guy Noel who is is Irish and worked at Hennigan Peng for um the Irish practice for the last um well three or four years before he was with us and um their work is all international competitions and mm. and a couple of kind of interesting bread and butter things are kind of Airbnb fit out and um as in for their headquarters and um, but it's all international competitions and it's all very, very kind of conceptually, materially rigorous. And the work all comes through that, that, that means. It's, that's not what I, that's not, not what I aspire to, um, but it's a kind of a, a method which, uh, yeah, I don't think there's any practice in Australia that's working to that extent that they can, that their, their practice can rely upon um, Mm. wins in internet in highly competitive international competitions i think it's an interesting interesting model it's not the only way um maybe it doesn't totally have the sort of service thing down but um but again i mean a beautiful building that um optimizes the the possibilities of a, a project and um that can be a great service anyway i feel like the that kind of international competition winning machine thing that that i mean a lot of a lot of the most kind of well-known large offices kind of seem to operate mm. that way. Um, it's certainly alluring. <laughs> it's because it's very, very ideas-based, very conceptual. Um, why? It's it's almost like what we're trained for at university. I mean, I just kind of finished my um, master's of architecture degree fairly recently, and I felt like the whole thing was kind of an induction into the idea that you pursue work through competitions, almost. Sure. Yeah. It's it is funny. It is this. Um, the, there there are these 
aspects that is a kind of model of working that is so implied within the university and then um yeah maybe you know the reality of practice is, is, a, is a little more diffuse um and mm. then becomes a task of trying to define what you're interested in um you know moving towards that yeah you're right though you're right there is that kind of emphasis yeah, and then ultimately we end up not doing it, <laughs> which is like kind of weird. I wonder if it's got something to do with. Um, uh, I feel like in in some countries where officers have the freedom to be able to pursue competitions at scale across the world, um, there's a certain reliance on large pools of interns and work experience and. Um, the the actual burn rate of their businesses seems to be kind of a lot lower than than it than it is here because I think if you bring anybody onto your team in Australia, you know, it's a it's a pretty massive investment. I think even to have a two or three people, you would need to be seriously winning competitions to make that work financially. But you know, I I don't really know, but I'm interested to get from your perspective whether you think as a business model that even makes sense for anybody in australia regardless yeah. of whether or not they would aspire to do it yeah i mean i mean i um i think that um it's def- it's definitely a different scenario here to say japan or um you know scandinavian countries or um even the sort of internship programs in france um where that um i guess sort of labor is is not available and at the same mm-hmm. time I, I wouldn't want that because I think that um, you know I think people people work really hard and I'm I know in my office I'm really grateful for that and you know you want people to be, be paid properly and um, you know I, I, I hoped for yeah. that when I finished uni and, and I guess I, I think there is a nice kind of consensus here in Australia towards that um, yeah obviously it's, it's the law as well which kind of helps but um, yeah, <laughs> but you know what I mean. I kind of like I like I like it when I hear that um, sort of re- ethical responsibility in the profession. Yeah, but it does it does it does mean it's a different it's a different scenario here, and and we we certainly can't be, you know, continuously doing an international competition or something like that. What we we try to do is, um, maybe in a some years we would we would enter. Uh, one international competition, maybe two invited competitions, um, mm. or one and three, or two and two, or something like that. And we'd, we'd, um, yeah. So I guess invited competitions where they're where they're paid is, you know, is obviously really useful um, aspect, mm. and and that's that's also actually led to quite a bit of our work too, which is, um, you know, which is nice. So I guess the I guess the sort of competition emphasis has has meant we've been, we have become quite good at articulating an idea getting to the the sort of heart of um the essential issue and um trying to respond appropriately Mm. yeah 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 it's interesting i think it's i'm trying to think if you were kind of in your in your mid-20s or you know getting towards 30 or something and you're thinking i'm gonna start a studio but i don't want to start by paying my dues doing kind of alts and ads or, or, or whatever it is um, at an early stage. I wonder if that is a feasible alternative to go, okay, well, our cost of living is really low. We don't have a whole lot of responsibility. So let's just basically rent a bedroom and start working on competitions until we kind of strike it lucky. Yeah, but the, the but South, then, South Fujimoto model. <laughs> 
Hey, wait. So how did that work? I never actually knew about how Fujimoto kind of started. Is that what is that what he did? I think straight after university or like one year out or something, he he rented a very very like the cheapest apartment he could find in Shibuya, and um, just developed for a few years. He developed his whole kind of approach, um, and yeah, then sort of launched it from there. So he, it's exactly that strategy. Like no, to sort of, it's quite smart. I think to sort of leverage. No respo- lack of responsibility. Um, it's and probably competitions is competitions is something which is such a leveler um, because the strongest idea that the jury responds to on the day wins, and that's not um, that's not based upon capacity. It's not based upon you know sound business practices or any of that stuff. Um, it's just like the idea and. Um, it can, and because of that, it can lead to some great projects. I mean, I, I drove past today the, um, do you know the, the Green Square Library thing, Stuart, Stuart Hollenstein at Sydney Practice? I drove past that big triangular thing, like jutting up into the air, and it, it just looks awesome. And um, yeah, that's a, that's a kind of project that, that, that exactly arose from that kind of scenario. Some people who, um, talented people, nothing to lose had a crack and had the right idea and um, it, can, it, it happens. It, it's like it can lead to the, the, maybe the best outcome. So um, as you get a bit older, I guess responsibility starts to come in and, and it's, a different, it's a different scenario. So to act, um, to, act to kind of get, get it happening pretty early, you know, isn't dumb. But there's, I mean, there's lots of different ways to have a career path in architecture, I think, and um, I guess it's something for me that I that I I, I do try to think about and 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 should and should think about more is the career path that you can create for people that that is a um, you know that tries to be a, a substantial um, you know kind of rewarding and interesting career path that is um, is yeah where people can grow and um, that isn't just a kind of treading water until you start a practice mm-hmm. getting experience yeah. interesting practice kind of thing do you, do you know what I mean yeah like like kind of like uh, just waiting out the clock filling out your logbook. you know like it's more yeah well, that, I don't know how's the saying go like winners like to help winners you know it's it, it, it's you, you have an opportunity to kind of go well there's these people that have the younger kind of like below generation of new architects who um I don't, I don't know. I, feel, I actually felt coming out of coming out of uni, a lot of people my um, my age who really did have a lot of difficulty um, finding a place to go. I think, especially coming from Perth, um, mm-hmm. recently it's become really, really challenging to be an architect in Perth, and um, and I'm sort of surprised that a lot of them didn't kind of go and decide to go straight from masters and and decide to just sort of start their own firm or start something start a little like collective where they could try at these competitions or something like that it feels like everyone just went in a certain direction towards i'm either going to work for an architect or i'm going to be a drafty or i'm going to go work at a cafe there was always this this sense that progress has to happen in a really direct kind of way and it's very very risk averse and i don't know if that's an economic thing um probably i mean it's probably just this idea of shit, I'm not going to spend like three or four years just in my apartment going, oh, I hope something good happens to me by the time I'm 40. You know, it's it's kind of a bit bit scary. But do you sort of see in Sydney and, and 
specifically like a, a scene of people who are not even in that kind of emerging architect class but are like the next kind of crop that are being kind of independent and on their own at a very early stage yeah i guess um i guess i, I know in in um in my office um so casey and actually johnny from trias um mm. worked with me and yeah um, casey worked with me for like years and years he was mm. such a fantastic contribution to what um, we've been doing um, and Johnny worked with us for a couple of years too and um, yeah so it's like they probably got the vibe that I was pretty focused on trying to do some stuff so um, we're, keen, we're keen to hang out for a while and help do that like you say and um, then then you know that, so then you see they go off and get their get their thing started and that's how it rolls you know, that's how the the wheel turns and 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 sure as there are you know super um motivated people like um those guys there's you know there's 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 already um you know a bunch of super talented people a few years behind them it's it's mm. it's pretty interesting i mean the, the, it's like never ending like. <laughs> and, um, yeah you know so um yeah it's it's good it's a good thing yeah, it's really it, it's really kind of cool, but I'm sort of wondering what when like when they're going to start popping up on the internet. I place way too much importance on that. <laughs> to me, that's like it. Like once they, uh, which is super weird, but I think I, I'm kind of interested in like the architecture media um, becoming a little bit more disorganized, so that there's a lot more places talking about design and and a lot more room and a lot more. Like, you know, when there used to be like four or five channels and a few newspapers and if, and a few magazines and you were, you were in there and if you were there, you were fine uh, and you were really well known and you kind of made it. And then when the internet came along in, in all kinds of media, it broke down and, and there were millions of different voices and, and suddenly it opened up all this new opportunity for so many um, emerging anything to sort of succeed. And I, I feel like we haven't seen the same thing happen in, in architecture um, I, I, I don't feel like there's a lot of opportunity for um, people that are just kind of like having a go. Maybe that's just an Australian thing I'm seeing, but it still seems like there's only a few real sources of um, information that actually have a platform. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know, but, but you guys have definitely been turning up a lot. <laughs> like when you had your kind of, project in japan was that sort of a that was a big turning point the the australia project right yeah it was it definitely was. how did how did that kind of unfold um so after was that a competition that you went to uh 150 different entrants or something like that tell me a little bit about the story behind that project yeah so it was a it was a um international competition and um run by the uh, Australian Embassy in Tokyo, and also a, 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 an organisation, the Uchiga Sumari Art Triennale. Um, and yeah, they had a they had a building, um, the original Australia House, which was an old farmhouse in this air, in this region. Um, and the the day after the the earthquake, three eleven, the the building came down, so they decided they'd build a new one. It was like eleven months from the from the earthquake until the opening of the new building, which including kind of conducting, getting organized to conduct an international competition, um, conducting it, judging it, awarding it, 
design, you know, design development, documentation, construction, handover, and like artist installation fit out. It was crazy, totally crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, it was, is it where Echigo Samar is where that art field is, right? Is that related to it? Um, yeah. There, there's, after, uh, uh, yeah. So there's two. There's, there's the Satuchi down at Naoshima Island. Um, yeah. And then there's Echigo Samari, which is up um, just north of Tokyo, a couple of hours. Ah, okay. Both run by a, by a festival director, Fran Kitagawa. He's a really um, fascinating guy. Um, so yeah, it was a really, it was a, certainly it was a turning, turning point for us. And, um, up until that point, I probably had been doing, um, the model of, um, I guess whatever projects came by, little alterations and additions and, um, Mm. various houses and other, other things. And we were, we were entering some design competitions on the side and then we, we got that one and we got a couple more and it took a, it actually took a few years for, for those projects to really, I guess, generate new projects and leads. Um, strangely enough, these things kind of take, maybe sometimes they take time to kind of settle into um, the consciousness, but, but they did eventually. And um, yeah, so we started, that, that project has probably led to, um, I don't know, three or four other projects for us, which has been really, mm. really good. At least got us um, you know, in the door. So do you, um, do you put that down to magazines and, um, but like, where do you kind of put that coverage down to? Because you weren't, I, I take it necessarily doing anything to promote the project to actively, um, maybe apart from like public speaking, like how are you going about it? How are people finding out about that project? We did, we did a lot of talks. Um, yeah. We, 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 we did get a communications person um, to help us out. Um, yeah. Which was really good. And um, we, I guess it, it was some, it was such a, a kind of punchy building form, and this this black sort of triangular thing sitting against the yeah. blue sky and green landscape that it, it it just kind of went pretty nuts. So, um, yeah, I guess it was fairly fairly organic with a little bit of kind of prompting behind it for some um, maybe higher level um, editorial stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but it basically kind of propagated it itself largely. It was, um, I, I heard it sort of said that if you win, if you say, for example, if you're in Sydney and you win a competition in Sydney, they don't put it in the newspaper. But if you're in Sydney and you win a competition in Japan, then all of a sudden you're the biggest story in town. And so the, the, the kind of um, advice I was sort of given was that, you know, if you're really entering competitions you should do so internationally and there's a real benefit to that because it's a story about a local person doing something overseas and we kind of relish in that here Hmm. um and did you find that that kind of the whole uh, the media environment and all the storytellers kind of got behind you on that like this is really really exciting especially because it's kind of that embassy thing it's not even there's a there's just there's just something about the way all the things lined up that make it such an interesting story. Kind of cultural diplomacy um, project. Yeah, I guess um, it it did. Um, it was interesting from multiple multiple angles. Um, you know, the association with the earthquake and Australia's involvement in trying to um, offer some restoration. Um, mm. You know, it's a positive kind of interesting story. We worked with a, an artist. Brooke Andrew for, to do this crazy um, installation work there, and mm. um, which just produced sort of amazing visual content and and sort of spoke to a, a contemporary art audience. Maybe maybe art um, 
maybe kind of art engagement is a little bit more advanced than um, architectural engagement in sort of public discourse. Um, so that helps that sort of association. Mm. Um, and yeah, I mean, contemporary art is something I'm really interested in. Um, but yeah, there was, a, there was a funny thing where there's a, a, a Sydney journalist, John McDonald, who's an art, art writer. And um, he, you know, he doesn't hold back when he's not into something. And he's, he, he came along, he came to the opening. And so we were all kind of, you know, we were really quite concerned about what he might think. Um, but he gave it a, a really nice, he did a really nice article. Um, you know, sent, sent me a, sent me an email saying, I think you'll be, re, be, be really pleased with the article. And so it was good. It was good. It was good. That always helps. <laughs> That's pretty cool. It did help. It did help. Yeah, he was a nice guy. Yeah, it's, um, it, uh, just, it's, it's so crazy that that was, uh, such a big break, like really. I mean, you sort of mentioned that you, before that you were, kind of more in that typical model do, do you really like sort of go go back and imagine that you know if that if that competition of hadn't have happened um what what the practice would be like now or do you think like there's a certain inevitability well, i mean that's probably a little bit arrogant to yeah. say inev- yeah inevitably we were going to start going up from houses and working on these public cultural buildings and everything like that but do you think that that moment mattered as much as perhaps i think it does <laughs> Like, I think it was definitely significant. Um, I, I probably don't don't really um, devote too much energy to thinking about what, what would have happened. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Happen because you're just sort of doing what you're doing. Um, that being said, it, it took a it took a long time for it to generate other projects. Um, oh, we did it. We did a thing for um, an organisation, Sherman Contemporary Art Foundation. This um, little pavilion thing, Crescent House, which definitely came from Australia House. Um, that was really fun. Another kind of cultural organisation to work with, and um, yeah, that was that was a good project. But but other than that, it um, it took a while. But it it then it then um, probably for for a few of our kind of larger projects at the moment, it was I think it, it had a big role in um, getting us identified for invited competitions and um, things like that. So there's a there's a there's a school that we're doing at the moment. Um, it's a rural campus for a, for a big school. It's like a $25 million project. And it's like, it's the Australia House rollout, basically. <laughs> there's, there's all these, um, a whole lot of different buildings on the site. And uh, it's a different, it's a, you know, it's a different material palette and there's kind of bushfire issues and um, mm. there's kind of educational, you know, the idea, the idea of the building as an um, educational tool. Um, you know, ideas we talk about, rituals of stewardship, so, you know, building into the fabric things that will um, encourage, um, you know, teenage boys to develop sort of sense of responsibility and um, responsibility to others and responsibility to have a role in their own sort of comfort and those kind of questions. So, um, yeah, it's the, it's like I say, it's, it's like 15 in future, the, the first stage is almost complete, which is a couple of buildings and a whole lot of groundworks. Um, but when it's eventually finished, it will be 15 or 16 buildings and um, all with a sort of consistent aesthetic um, sort of materiality and, and detailing. It's going to be good. Mm. It's going to be good. I'm pretty So is anything going to change about um, the communication strategy? I guess going on the marketing side of things. Um, yeah. Obviously, really, really good photos. First piece of 
the puzzle. Um, yeah. And then what's the, what's the sort of next steps that you're planning to take after that to maybe bring it in so it's, it, it doesn't have an impact for the practice in two years from now? Are you, are you generally trying to f- bring that in a little bit so it's a, a bit more of an immediate benefit potentially? Yeah, I think um, we're, definitely, we're definitely working through a, through a strategy at the moment. And um, I think, um, in, I mean, that, that, I think there's, there's a kind of element of telling the story um, of what the project did and is doing. And um, this idea of a, a building as a pedagogical tool, I think mm-hmm. that's a really relevant thing for, you know, for schools now, whether it's a, you know, government school or, you know, a big private school or whatever it might be. And um, yeah, I think there's a, there's a, it's, it's like, we're, so we're doing buildings in, um, we've got five projects at the moment that are, that are the first project we've done in their um, sector, which is really kind of, interesting not sort of not the most efficient way to work but mm. you can imagine like it's kind of familiarizing with the you know the bca issues with each project um mm. and all the kind of technical issues associated with quite different project types so it's like each project i think there's nothing like a built a, a finished building um as you say that you know that photographs beautifully uh, mm. there's nothing like that that just sort of does that that works for you but I think with each of these different project types that we're doing, there's almost like a different communication strategy that needs to be crafted associated with it. Um, and that's something that we're, yeah, that we're working through at the moment. Any ideas so far? Um, I, think, I think there is a um, task of um, taking it above the project, but about the, the ideas and the um, sort of relevance that the project represents and, mm. and sort of trying to take it to, 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 to a different level so that it becomes more widely applicable to, to multiple other projects, um, mm. potentially within that same project type. But I think, you know, I think, I think um, practically, I think there's probably a task of, um, like I, in, in the school, for instance, I would, I would hope that we, we are doing a building that's, you know, sincerely can make a contribution to um, you know, education design in Australia. So that's a fairly specific yeah. thing. And, and, you know, if that means communicating that at the, you know, the SEPFI organization or, um, you know, whatever it might be, I think that's something I'd be really keen to um, engage with. It's, you, you sort of don't, you don't want to be the guy who, who rocks up with the, the kind of crazy one-off idea. You want to, I think there's a, there's mm. a thing there of, of um, being genuinely interested in that content and trying to... Um, probably contribute in a dialogue to to that um yeah yeah i can i guess i've sort of seen it before and i can imagine like the way i think about what you're sort of describing is like say for example doing an education building and you come along with the with the 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 building but the way that you talk about it it tie it for those educators it almost ties together a lot of loose ends for them and and articulates perhaps a feeling they have felt and discussed amongst themselves about the way education is changing or the way that we think about children or the role of young people in society, but they haven't been able to really articulate it because they haven't had the space for it. Mm. And that something comes along and just sort of clarifies the whole situation for them. Hang on a second, Dave, I'm taking notes. (laughs) Well, no, I'm just thinking thinking back to um, a couple of, projects I worked on in Japan and later um, the director produced a TED 
a TED talk basically about the project. And it, and reflecting on it, it wasn't even really about the the building. It was just basically a presentation of the sort of humor and curiosity of the children just running around um, the building. And 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 the the presentation was talking about all the different ways they use the building. And it was so so really. Um, and then I remember being with a teacher who was watching that video with me and it, it just, to her, it wasn't even really, it wasn't about the structure and it wasn't about the photos or the way it looked. In fact, the presentation didn't even have any photos. It was just the way those children were acting and being described to her felt like a new way children should be treated. Um, and, and that was kind of the difference to me. It really, it really felt like you're actually moving away from the building, but without the building, you wouldn't be able to tell that to tell that story whatsoever. I kind of feel we, yeah, we articulated that in the um, competition phase. We did, our, and that's kind of why we got, we actually got it because we did put forward uh, a, a, an architectural approach that was very much about um, extending, you know, teenage boys' sense of responsibility and sort of growing into themselves um, mm. in the world. So there was a kind of idea there that was about, that was totally about the, the, the boys and, um, I think there's a yeah there's maybe there's a sort of then a, 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 a an expanded audience at the right time um, to to communicate that to. I mean mm. something something I was saying before this kind of thing of um, you know organisations you know, having a you know a vision and a mission and having a kind of their expertise. So these in a school like that the the people you deal with are, are very very professional educators. Um, mm. They live and breathe it, and they they are down with they're down with all the theory. They know what they they, they actually have a very I've I've been quite um, interested in the way that they have a very kind of contemporary approach, um, a very 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 contemporary understanding of where education's at. You know, of course, but of course that's the case because they do that and they're committed yeah. educators. So um, that's that that's that that's that exact example that I mean. Like, um, you know, you can you can gain so much from understanding that in a project and, and that, that, that can give it much more depth than, you know, I, I would have come up with, um, you know, scribbling some geometry, whatever. Mm. Um, but it's the same with, you know, it's the same with, with business, you know, business people with the, you know, getting a feel for their, their business model um, and then how architecture can mm. extend that. But it, and it's the same with, you know, um, <clears throat> It's the same with, with you know tourism, tourism projects or hospitality or whatever. There's, there's these dynamics that are there, kind of business goals, social and cultural goals that um, are really worth understanding and um, developing how architecture can can progress them. Yeah, and like uh, sort of what you were saying earlier. I mean, it's I like the way they use the word content. It's just content, mm. and it makes for it makes for interesting, like dimensions to the work um and then that, uh, that that not only helps the work but it also helps you later when you're when you're communicating the building to more of an architectural audience or kind of spruiking the service that you provide um it just gives you more ways to talk about it uh whereas if, you, if you're kind of coming in and going yeah here's your here's your really interesting geometry like you said turning up with just one idea one kind of crazy idea and, and having it be completely detached from their from their needs and what's important to them and um, you wouldn't actually have much to talk about when it came to the building. It also, it, it definitely is content that, that, that in a way kind of takes the pressure off maybe conventional architectural content, you know, so 
the build, building forms can be quite simple, um, which can can also be quite cost effective. Um, mm-hmm. This is this thing of like like to what if if any kind of architectural move, if you can justify it. Uh, the, the way we try to work is that is that any yeah that any kind of architectural sort of formal transformation or whatever it is has a reason that you can clearly articulate and has a benefit that can be communicated. Um, that that makes for buildings that um, maybe things sometimes get a little bit too kind of integrated, but um, it makes for buildings that um, withstand value engineering um, and yeah and can 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 sometimes be quite cost effective. Um, mm. It's like the, it's just take, taking the pressure off of architectural content to something that's you know a, a vessel for um, an organization's kind of inherent content. I guess it sounds pretty abstract, doesn't it, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. I, I I don't know. If anyone gets it, they get it. If not, it's no big deal. Yeah. I feel I feel like architects like I don't know. They they know what you're talking about. They're, you can you can feel the difference when a project comes from that kind of place versus comes from a you know, I really thought kind of triangles were doing well on Instagram this month. So, um, yeah, you're getting a triangle. <laughs> you know, like pretty good strategy too. Yeah, but, it, but it's kind of cool. Like, uh, and sticking to the word content, then you're talking about your research being text and diagrams, and then I think text and diagrams. Well, that naturally leads me to social media um, because it just gives you more fuel to put into um, the, the the channels that you use to amplify your practice. So um, there's a real limitation to the conventional stock of 10 photos, which is the only thing you leave with after a building's complete, all those years and all that investment of time and everything. Um, and then you leave with 10 JPEGs um, most of the time. And pretty, that's, pretty enorm- that's, that's, pretty, yeah, that's pretty hopeless really for any, mm. you know. So, so, so the possibilities of that are, it's, it, it, I mean, it goes back again, I think, to Trius when they were talking about how um, how the stuff that they're producing for their clients, they're actually conscientious of the fact that they produce things that will also be doubly valuable later on when they're actually communicating and promoting their practice, um, whether that's social media or whether that's competitions or, or whatever they're doing. They're, they're producing it for their client, but they're also conscientious of the idea that it, this isn't going to be the only time this is valuable. It's clever. It's very clever. It's efficient. It's really, it's really efficient. And I think that, I mean, I'm trying to advocate for changing social media to be, with architecture, to be a little bit more, a little bit more just documentary uh, of what's going on in the kind of day to day. And that isn't just related to the, the sketches and the models and the documentary of the design process, but it's just documentary of the practice. Um, even, even the boring stuff. What does that look and feel like i reckon it looks like a much uh a sort of up upscale more tasteful version of grand designs <laughs> but grand designs is never told from the architect's perspective um which i i think ultimately and you you kind of asked this question over email um what is the kind of more established practice version in contrast to the emerging practice and i sort of see the difference there as being um, in the capacity to actually have a team around you that creates content. Um, because on a small, in a very, very small business of just a few people, um, it, everything that you put out there on the internet has to be a byproduct of what you're making anyway, because it's really difficult to actually segment, okay, we're going to spend 
12, we're going to put 12 hours every week into just creating content. So we'll write two blog posts a week. We'll record a podcast. We'll take a bunch of photos. That just isn't practical. Um, so you need to get kind of uh, a little bit ingenious about how you actually create content out of that and go towards efficiency, uh, automation, um, where possible delegation. But I think once you get into that larger end, the potential ROI of actually going, okay, so we're going to actually bring in a person full time, potentially, um, who may just for that for the entire point of their day be focused on creating content about us, just documenting that. Mm. Uh, and that would be the thing that really sets you apart. And I can kind of visualize a situation where somebody, I'm, I'm sure that somebody's going to eventually do this, but basically they produce a television show about themselves. Uh, it sounds kind of crazy, but it's on every day of the week, except it's not on TV. It's on YouTube and Facebook, basically 10, 15 minute video content each day. Because I don't think architects realize how fascinating their daily work would be to, to a mass audience of, of people. So, so, so two questions about that. Um, how important do you think in, in all those kind of things are um, high production values? And secondly, um, work in progress. What's your sort of thoughts around that? It's kind of messy. Pro- yeah, production value, uh, no. I think, I think um, one person with a camera, um, a, a, just a medium level video camera, a little bit of editing and like the messiness is almost the beauty to it, mm. you know. I think having looked, having seen some of this content coming out, you get to these interesting points where it goes from two, th- it cuts from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Um, Andrew had a meeting that we couldn't show. Then it cuts straight to 4 p.m. What's going on after that in the car on the way back from the meeting? Uh, that sort of excited feeling like we might have just picked up this really, really interesting client. Just, you know, so the production can be fairly uh it has to get out of the way for what's actually going on in the practice. Um, there is almost like no gloss to it, I think. The only thing that you would be doing is basically, if, as far as work in progress goes, if there is like a confidentiality issue, you might just say, we just had a meeting with a client, we can't say who it was. You know, that that kind of thing can happen. But I don't know, that might be the actual challenge for creative businesses. Can they show their projects a little bit half finished and a little bit still under wraps? Is that something you would ever be able to? Definitely a tricky one. You know, live it's with. It's definitely a tricky yeah. thing, and um, I know we we lined up a couple of a few projects a, a few years ago that we we're doing now. They're being built, but we couldn't talk about them. And um, mm. it's it's kind of an interesting thing, isn't it? Um, they they kind of they probably are significant um, accomplishments and you know, reasonably large budgets, um, one in um, highly competitive um, circumstances against, you know, fantastic architects. And, um, but you can't, you just can't, can't go there. And obviously you need to respect those kind of um, obligations to the client. So you know, because yeah. they have sort of sensitivities and, um, um, but yeah, I mean, I guess there's, I guess there's, there, there's other ways. I mean, we have, a lot of our work is um, outside of um, Sydney, and so we have these kind of funny experiences that, you know, we were, the other day we were down in the helicopter flying into the site in Tasmania, and then the next day we're, you know, heading down the expressway down to 
check out the site in Canberra and then the following day we're on the Mornington Peninsula talking to someone about a project um, mm. in, the, in, the, in the Wagon Valley. It's like, they're, they're, they're interesting. They're interesting days. I mean, they're, they're, um, they're not every day is like that, but um, we, we just find we, find we um, are finding ourselves in interesting sites um, quite a bit. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna think, well, there's I'm such a mix. It, there's such a mix of content there. Like that. That to me is already like, damn. I wish I could have seen that. <laughs> then, then we've got this. We were doing this um, thing in, in this for the city of Sydney in Hyde Park. Um, mm. The hoardings up. So Hyde Park's the big public space in the middle of Sydney, and uh, mm. it's this thing associated with the train station and um, this kind of cafe pavilion and landscaping. And and um, I'm really. It's like these things take. It's like we started that project two and a half years ago or something, and. That didn't have a confidentiality thing around it, um, but they just take those kind of projects can can take years. You know, they can take. It's not like you know an Olsen ads project where you might you know punch out a, a a design and get a DA in within three or four months, and then you know have construction completed within eighteen months of commencing the project. It's it's um you know they're, they're three and four and five year efforts. Um, so. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting thing, isn't it? It's like it's a long. I guess in that there's a lot, a lot of opportunity to generate content for the, t- yeah, the TV and show. I, you know, I I think that we could actually go about it and be a little bit more comfortable if we just go, yeah, this isn't about the buildings that we're doing. Mm. This is just about capturing the thoughts that are running through your mind as you're going about the business of running your firm <laughs> and. And that's all that it really is because that's what we're going for. That's the kind of thing that we want to communicate. It's it's the things that are happening inside your head that people are you know, people are seeking out you not – we would hope not just because he produces – his team produces buildings of this character and we like that. They should be going, well, this guy seems to have really, really interesting ideas. Uh, he thinks very deeply about the, the brief and, and about what we are as an organization, interprets that. But unless that sense of picking up on the authenticity of that promise is there in the content that you share, um, they're not going to buy into that. So the purpose of the creating content on that level would be to be constantly showing that thought process. And it may not be the thought process you like to talk about. It might, it might even be different to the way you would describe it. But it's just by a really frank documentation of what's happening that it's sort of open to interpretation. But the the ultimate idea is that you attract the kind of people that are the right fit for you and you kind of disqualify the ones that aren't. You know, I guess it's, um, it's, it's interesting what you're saying. It's, it's, um, cause it's like looking for the medium that communicates the thoughtfulness, um, in a way that's not limited to, like you say, the 10 JPEGs at the end of the project. Yeah. Which is, which is yeah, a the- fairly limited, um, you know, it's a fairly limited way of, um, and, and and not hugely controlled way of communicating. Yeah, you, know. you didn't even take them. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like the monkeys; they didn't even write their songs. You know, like that that kind of thing. It's it's yeah. You don't you don't really get the final control, and you shouldn't really have the final control over that because that's you know that's the photographer's business, and and the sort of the same thing goes for any of those visual things. And as much as I love. Um, as much as I love Instagram uh, as a as a tool for architects, and obviously we all kind of embraced it, um, 
at the end of the day, that should be a platform that's just kind of dropping little promos of deeper content that's happening somewhere else. Mm. So it should be doing its thing with the JPEGs and the and and the diagrams and, and the site photos and those sorts of things. But each of those should be a call to action to get somebody to go and watch a fifteen minute video or read a fourteen hundred word article or go go do something else. Go attend a lecture that you're giving or uh, on occasion they should be that way. And I think one of the biggest um, issues for architects is we're confusing creative with amplification and we're building up these amplification channels but there isn't ultimately any creative going on behind it um, in terms of material that you can then promote uh, apart from those jpegs Mm. so i i would love to see a bit of a shift um, back the other direction of going you know maybe rather than spending two hours working on my instagram photos um, i should actually spend that two hours trying to articulate something that I think sets me apart or is a point of difference for our studios, maybe something that clients have remarked that we think a little differently on and then trying to explore that through writing. But if you're not good at writing, then maybe it's video because the thing about why it's kind of video for a more established practice is that it can happen like fly on the wall while you're just doing your work. It doesn't take any time from you. Um, But you know, so that's that's kind of the challenge. I think for a smaller practice, it would have to be very, it would have to be like you you would be sitting there creating that kind of content because the resources to have somebody help with that are so limited. Mm. But that's why I think um, the opportunities for a more established practice are so much more exciting than an emerging one because you actually, you, you potentially have those resources to make that in investment. Whether that's your own time or whether that's financially, there's so much talent that you could bring into the studio that's unrelated to the actual creation of the buildings, but is more related to the long term. What kind of buildings will you be creating in 10 years? Mm. It's interesting, Dave. It's interesting. You're a thinker. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just trying to live. I'm just trying to uh, market vicariously through architects around me. (laughs) That's all. I'm just I'm just hoping I'm hoping somebody will kind of. Um, pick it up and go, yeah, I'm going to try that. And then I can actually see whether or not it works. <laughs> strategy. It's a, it's a good strategy. And then in 15 years, I go, yep, I've, I've found all the things that bring down established practices. I'll just do the one thing that didn't. Nice. Nice. Oh, cool. Well, Andrew, it's been really, really good having you on the podcast, mate. And um, yeah, thank you for that very much for, for the time this evening from 6 p.m. to 7.16 p.m. <laughs> that's, a, that's a pleasure, Dave. Thanks for uh, your energy. Love it, mate. We'll have you on again soon.